Welcome to the Dog Pod, your home for fans of the University of Washington Huskies tackle football team. I'm here with Law Dog and Mitch, back from our first win on the farm in 14 years. Can you guys believe it? Oh, yeah, it nuts, baby. Man. The Husky, <laughs> Wither, the Husky. Wither Lewis Rankin, boys. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, it was a trip down history lane when you look at the last time we won there. But the history – so the Huskies win in Palo Alto in the sounds of pure silence. They did what Coach Pete – could never do in his tenure. They did what Oregon could not do this year. Even as a number four team in all the land, they won. They won ugly, a real ugly game, but they won nonetheless 20 to 13. We got a redux of what it, I mean, it has to be, this is the biggest one of the Lake era. Maybe, hopefully not the only one. Uh, and we'll get into the border, whatever you want to call it, the border war, the uncivil war, hate week, whatever. Oregon's in town. But before we get to that, uh, we got to enjoy the moment a little bit. And hey, guess who's back, back again? Mitch is here. Off of his many moons of unpaid absence. Unpaid. Mitch, Mitch welcome <laughs> back. Um, BT, I'm going to recap the game real quick here. And, you know, it, this one started a little bit ugly. Defense was kind of leaky up at the at the beginning of this one. Tanner McKee just kind of throwing all over the dogs on that first drive. Finally throws his first incomplete pass. Um with uh, just under eight minutes to go in the first quarter, and they have to settle for a field goal there. The Huskies actually come back with a 12-play drive of their, drive of their own. Uh, this is now beginning into the second quarter here. And, uh, you know, they're clearly not letting Dylan Morris air it out, right? They're nope. clearly kind of relying on the ground. They find Morris's pass to Rome Undunze does fall incomplete on third and goal. They settle for the field goal. So now it's three, three knotted up. Uh, Huskies get a pick, a big pick here in the late in the first half are able to grab another field goal. And then Stanford kind of inexplicably, you know, not really moving the ball. Um, Huskies grab a third field goal at halftime and it's nine, three, you guys, it, it, it looked ugly, but the Huskies, it really felt like they were in control at this point. They had they had moved the ball three yeah. kind of big drives down the field, I would say, even four. Um, and, you know, they just – but they just couldn't punch it in. I just wanted to take the opportunity to point this out. I mean, in the red zone this year, the Huskies, one of the only teams in the nation with a 100% scoring rate in the red zone – but their touchdown percentage of 62.5% is just eighth in the Pac-12. So, I mean, they are they're getting into the red zone and they are converting. It's almost like we're kind of trying to solve those woes of the Peterson era. But they just are not converting into touchdowns. And it was never um, kind of more evident than in this game. Um, second half, more kind of slow going for a while here. Um Huskies uh, were able to extend their lead to 12-3. Peyton Henry's fourth field goal of the game. None of them were longer than, what, 40-something yards here. Um, but then Stanford answers with a big drive, and you guys, this one this one killed me. This, I mean, I didn't really notice it in the moment, but ZTF getting called for that offsides penalty on fourth yeah. and four with the play clock standing at zero. Mm -hmm. Stanford's able to then punch it in after another five plays. Uh, sorry, six, seven, eight, nine, ten plays later, they're in the end zone, 
and they are just within a couple of points here. It's 12-10. So the Huskies just then they can't kind of are running into these offensive woes. Dylan Morris can't really get it going. They're not really trusting him to throw the ball. Um, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but 353 left in the game. Race Porter's punting it away. Huskies are down two. Uh, sorry, this was a Dylan Morris. We went for it on fourth down here. Incomplete to Rome again on fourth down. Stanford takes over. Tell me if we've seen this play before. Uh, needing that stop to get the ball back. But the Husky defense showed up in this game, and he actually got the stop. Morris and company able to move down the field, and then that beautiful strike to Jalen McMillan to take the lead and win it 20-13. to 13. I mean, this one, it you know, it was ugly. It was kind of terrible. But at the same time, it, felt, it just kind of felt good, too. You got to yeah, take any I mean, win you can on the farm, right? It doesn't matter. Any win you can on the farm, uh, you take it and you run with it. And this is a down Stanford team, but this is a Stanford team that beat a down USC and beat the number four team in the country. So you take it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You, you know, you, you, you also have to think it's like, this is how they've beaten us over the last, you know, decade. These ugly slugfests. We've had high-powered teams, high-powered offenses, and we just get frustrated because they just, you know, get you down in the trenches and, um, you know, lower your completion um, rates. And, you know, maybe this is what it takes. This is a formula going into it. You have to give some of the the Husky coaches some credit on saying, we're going to beat them at their own game down in an ugly game like this. And it worked out. And, hey, we've tied the all-time record. You know, I love these things. And next year in Husky Stadium, we can take that lead back against these tools, which I really want to see. That that just killed me last year. Um, let's talk about the individual units, though, man. How about that offense? I mean, they got the win, but you know, normally we say we're never going to win with 20. Um, we win. What do you think, Mitch? Um, well, you know, it, it was it was good to see the offensive line. I, I think it was the offensive line's best game. Um, they were opening up some some running lanes. Um, Sean McGrew, Cam Davis, um, look, were flashing at times. Um, I felt like Morris had some pretty decent protection. Um, uh, you know, uh, I I do like the one-two combo of of Cam Davis and and McGrew. I think you know they're playing off of each other. They look fresh. Um, I thought Moore struggled again. You know, quite frankly, the announcers were actually getting on him. They were pretty harsh on like, we had another bad throw by Dylan Morris. <laughs> and so it's kind of chuckling at times about that. Um, and, you know, uh, Jalen McMillan stepped up when he when they needed him, caught that uh, touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone. Kind of a gutsy call there, but I liked it because, quite frankly, um, you know, they, they had a play to burn there at the end of the game. So, you know, pretty decent grades for the line. Um, but, you know, guys, I think the big storyline here is, you know, I, you just have to scratch your head on, on whether Dylan Morris really has what it is going to take to take this team to the next level. I mean, he certainly hasn't shown it to, to this point in the season. So it's kind of a head scratcher there from my perspective. Even, even in those positive moments, though, how there's some things that were so frustrating where they they kept pulling the backside guard, which was like Bane of Balu, right? For like seven yards, eight yards, nine yards. And, and I'm, yeah. And then I'm like, wait, right. why are we doing this in the eighth game of the year? Right. Like, why if we just <laughs> figure out that this works? And then there was a moment, though, where um, he missed. Um, I can't remember if it was Bynum or Dunze, but missed him bad behind yeah. with no pressure. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And if you look at the replay, you can see Cam Davis drop his head and shaking his helmet. <laughs> oh, no. Side. Just like, <laughs> that's where you can tell some of the guys got to be like, dude, what? Like, how do you miss that bad? Yeah, I've been as critical to coaches, especially on the offensive side, as anybody. And I, I actually kind of felt bad for them on Saturday night. This was the first time where I was just like, you know what? Dylan Morris, not only he doesn't have it, but he – he just, it seems like they don't even want to try. There was that third and seven where they handed it off to McGrew. I mean, they weren't even trying. And, you know, I, I think Lake, um, obviously he's under a lot of pressure himself. That decision to make Morris the starter at the beginning of 2020 over Garbers, over Sermon, both those guys left the program. Garbers is now starting at UCLA. Starting. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I, I you can't help but just, be shaking your head going that was a that was a crucial decision that maybe he got it dead wrong because mm-hmm. it's just not working out and i mean you know we we talked about some frustration about sam Heward not getting his chances and um you know it, i i think it, i think it's time like i want to see what he can do if he's doing everything else right you're willing to live with the batted down passes because he's six foot Right. And I, th- I thought that was like with Browning, but when he's not doing everything else, that's when you get really frustrated by that kind of stuff where like he doesn't have the other components of his game. And even the, um, the quarterback sneak in which he didn't get it. He th- like, I think to myself, like, I don't, this isn't a fair comparison, but is Jake Locker denied there? He will, he would not be denied. Like there's just no way he's reaching, he's getting, he's getting enough push. You know, I've been thinking about that 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 point though, BT, in that we have not really had athletic quarterbacks since Locker. I mean, even you know, I would mm-hmm. say Keith Price, Browning, they kind of had their moments um, where they could kind of get have a little wiggle on on a key play, but um, but we just don't have any athleticism at that position, and we haven't, and it really it shows up sometimes because Morris, when he has to move his feet, when he gets flushed out of the pocket, he's all over the place. Like he cannot complete a pass in those situations. He he's a true pocket passer, and at six feet, getting passes batted down with sidearm throws and whatnot. I mean, it just it isn't working. Yeah, it's it's not, and I mean in the in the run game. Um, you know, I'd like to know more. Like, what's going on with what? Like, why are we? Why aren't we using Kamari Pleasant? Cam Davis. I think um, he was banged up. I think Pleasant banged up, right? Banged up. Yeah. Is he back? You know, like I know we we know Newton's out for the year with Davis. Um, so talented, but my God, he terrifies me. The way he do, he doesn't protect the ball. Mm. He run, like it's that reckless abandon where when the hit comes. He doesn't have two arms on it. He doesn't have it cradled. It's up high. You know, it's too low, like just ready to get popped out again. He's already had some um, uh, some issues with that, but it's something that concerns me. Um, and I know that uh, Bonifa talks about that all the time, about, you know, living for the next down, you know, falling forward for a yard, a yard if you can, but hold on to that ball and and not being reckless with it. And it worries me with, with Davis. But hey, you know what? The offense did enough to survive, um, and and you got to enjoy that win. But the defense, let's talk about it a little bit. You know, actually, let me start with the special teams first and get these out of the way. I feel like we're always leaving them for the last. Real quick, I mean, start with that. So Peyton Henry, four for four, right? He did everything he was supposed to do, including three over thirty, which is great. You know, that's that's nice. Um, not an easy place, particularly on that grass. I mean, it's got to be one of the hardest places to hit, right? 
And BT, telling. they didn't bring him out with, what, just a few minutes to go there, right, to take the lead. They went for it on fourth and five instead of trying what? It was going to be like a 51-yarder or something like that. I thought that was kind of telling. They haven't been doing that all season. And I yeah. think that. No, and they, they haven't been doing it in his whole career. The whole career. Like, they, they, they don't have confidence. I think they ask him, like, hey, do you have it? Where can you go from, et cetera? And he, and he just doesn't have it over 40. Um, you know, maybe he's got if he has to, but they're not, they're not putting him at, you know, mid 40s and higher. The coverage unit reared its ugly head. Um, that little 36 yard kickoff return was a little frustrating. 126 yard punt. I didn't really like that. Um, race punter, he got his distance, but he's out there. And again, this could be because of the footing thing. He's just trying to get it off. Not enough hang time. He, I don't know if you guys noticed this. There wasn't, he didn't have one fair catch the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. That's concerning. The coverage That's was a little leaky uh, on Saturday, but I thought Henry had his best game kickoffs yeah. and field goals and whatnot. You know, and he 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 hits his kickoffs into the end zone for touchbacks, which is I hate to say, you know, um, not to speak ill of Timmy Horn, wishing the best, but like that was supposed to be his gig, right? Is that he was supposed to be able to just blast it into the end zone, and so that was his specialty. And you know, and and now and uh, Peyton's doing the right thing there, but fine. Um, let's get into the defense. Here we go. We got a lot to talk about in the defense. First of all, um, we got to talk about injuries. I mean, Jeremiah Martin gets helped off the field at Stanford. I haven't heard an update on him. Ryan Bowman out for the season. Yeah, we Asa found out Turner. on game day. Yep. Asa Turner out with a shoulder injury from Stanford, didn't play it down. Missing Fatui Tele, Daniel Kamuli. Missing Alex Cook and Cam Williams. I mean, so, I mean, j- just go into that thinking, wow, I don't know how we pull this off. One thing I'll say, look, um, I, we know Stanford's weak on the run, but boy, we had success against the run here. 71 net yards allowed on the ground. Um, and I thought that one touchdown, uh, um, uh, that they that they had with the, the quarterback had I thought that could have been blown up as well maybe just kind of want to miss tackle Voigt and Ufi two sacks and two TFLs I mean he just just played lights out the story of the game though I guess is the coming out party for inside linebacker Carson Bruner mm-hmm. uh, what a man child man uh, freshman of the week defensive player of the week thirteen tackles a strip sack. If you like pro football focus, 80. Got an 80 this week. I mean, what a man. ZTF, you talked about it. That fourth down offsides call was really, really costly. And I think it was kind of more of a headsy thing where he he sees 0-0 on the clock and goes. And you could make an argument that the clock expired before he went. But at the same time, why risk that? You know, you you, you got him right where you want it. Why risk that? And I think hopefully he learned his, his lesson there. Um Cooper all up. I thought Cooper and Sermon played fine, uh, but didn't stand out like Bruner did. The safeties, uh, this is kind of crazy. We saw Dom Hampton. It's a lot of shuffling around. You see Dom Hampton and Bookie at safety. Um, Bookie with that game ceiling interception. Dom, I thought, played lights out. What a game for him. He should be starting. He should be starting. I mean, he just hits so hard. And I think when you have a team that's got some uh, physicality and some height, Coming in like Oregon, uh, you you really got to think about him starting. The only other thing I'd say on this is, um, boy, I hate to say it, but new areas um, of concern. Trent McDuffie got hit for a big um, uh, pass interference call, which was completely justified if you look at the replay. New area, I, th- I hate to talk about a new area of uh, concern, but um, it looked like, so when we go into man, there's like this, they pull the inside linebackers to this like 10-yard deep soft zone, and it just leaves this huge gap behind them. And we got burned on that. That's where so Ben Urasek from Stanford, the, the tight end. And you know, look, we've been getting killed by tight ends from Stanford for years, but he was wide open on that underneath 
15 yards each each time, just boom, 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 kept killing us with that. And I hope that like, you know, that's a concern moving forward. If we pull our safeties too far back and we get mad and the inside linebackers are pulled up too far. Is there too much of a big gap on that side? Um, but all up, look, I mean, to hold Stanford um, to that point total, I think it was an impressive outing all up. Hope those that are injured are able to get back. And uh, boy, if, if Carson Bruner can continue with what he's doing, we won't miss. I hate to, we were going to miss Eddie. I mean, having Eddie and Carson would have been incredible, but um, it, at least it makes you feel a little bit better about that on the defensive side. Yeah, it was great to see uh, Bruner step up. The legacy, um, pretty exciting. Um, of course, with the uh, Aberdeen High School uh, bloodlines running through him. Um, that's right. So that's pretty awesome. Um, and, you know, look, one other thing. It was kind of cool to see uh, Powell, that other cornerback, step oh, yeah, up. Oh, that's right. Uh, you know, walk on. He, pl- mm-hmm. he played really well. Um, so, you know, I mean, there was an article that Pharrell had in the times about how the younger, um, guys really kind of stepped up in this game and maybe they just, to your point, BT, they deserve some more playing time, right? Mm -hmm. Like let's let them loose at this point in the season. Uh, Yeah. I also thought Savelle Smalls played his best game of the the year. He had that fumble recovery, had a big play on a bootleg there where he really stayed home and stayed with his man and, and got the Huskies got off the field. And then you got to mention Foy Tunuufi, the freshman who he played really well too. So I BT, I, I thought this was their defense is probably their best game of the season and, and maybe of the lake era. I thought they were really stout. They clearly um, were kind of abandoning the 100% too high safety look. They were, they were kind of mixing it up. They were going one high quite a bit, bringing in an extra body into the box. It made the difference. I mean, last year we beat Stanford if we had done that. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, I think you got to tip your cap to them. And, and to me, Maybe this is the sign that this defense really isn't taking much of a step back. If they can, if they've got this run stuff figured out a little bit more, they're leading the conference in scoring defense. If they do that, they will be the sixth straight season that we have done that and held teams at under twenty points as an average all season long. So, mm-hmm. wow. I, I mean, I think you got to you got to tip your cap to them and say, hey. This, this is the strength of your team. you got to lean into it. All those fourth and one stupid quarterback sneaks that we're doing, huh. it's time to just punt the ball and trust your defense. You know, just know your strengths, Coach Lake, and and, and your defense is one of them. Yeah, you know, the most uh, heads-up defensive play probably came from an offensive player in Kate Otten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that huge. Fumble. I, <laughs> unreal. And, and, you know, Pac-12 refs, they got it right. You know, I mean, how, think about how many 90, nine out of 10 uh, tight ends in the country, they lose that. They probably bury their head. If yeah. they don't bury their head, they're trying to figure out what happened, look around, and how quickly he snapped up and popped that ball loose. And I mean, that could have been the play of the game, but um, a heady play from, from, uh, from the senior game. You know, in the end, they, they, everyone made the plays that they needed to when it mattered. And that's something we haven't been able to say about this team, you know, for better or worse, the last couple of seasons. And, and, you know, it might've looked ugly. It might've been hard to watch, but I mean, they got it done and made the plays on the road and, and that's a tough place to play. So you gotta, you gotta kudos to them. That's right. That's right. You had to enjoy it. Um, uh, just great to get that win and nice for the team. I hope that uh, that they enjoy that and that gives them some momentum moving forward because 
we got it, guys. It's hate, it's hate week this week. There's no other name for it. Uh, Oregon is coming to town. And boy, with the college football playoff rankings coming out tonight right now, Oregon sitting at four. The stakes could not be higher. What could be better than knocking these punks off their seat and kicking them out once and for all for the CFP this year? Boy, it would feel great. But let's go back in history a little bit. Let's talk about this rivalry, the Oregon-Washington rivalry. Let's talk about hate week. Right. Go back in time. Um, so, you know, this is, uh, this is what we, we missed it last year, but this is going to be what the almost the hundredth meeting between these two teams. Um, it goes back a long, long ways. And, you know, it's been, it's been a tale of one sided domination from certain time periods, uh, off and on. Right. Prior to 1994, I realize Duck fans are already tuning out, right? They're, oh, yeah, whatever, talking about the history, the past. Um, Huskies were 54-28 and 28 against the Ducks. So I'm winning in five ties, almost winning two out of three of those games, 11 out of 13 and 17 out of 20 going into that game in 1994. And that's the, the turning point of the whole thing. Right. Um, so they had been dominant and not just dominant, but like really stomping on the soles of, of the ducks. And that's why the older duck fans, I think really understand the hate. They get, they get the hate of the Huskies. I think the newer duck fans are like, what, what's the big deal? What, you know, because since then guys needs to be said, Oregon's been 19 and six. Uh, since 1994 and you know that includes that 12 in a row obviously the last five have been actually pretty interesting um huskies won two blowouts in 2016 and 17 ducks won two squeakers in 18 and 19 the game obviously got canceled last year and then it was a pretty close game in 2015 as well coach pete's second year at washington so but Starting in that 94 season, right, that was the, the year that uh, the Ducks went to the Rose Bowl for the first time in, you know, I don't know, World War One or something like that. Um, and in 94 to 2003, that's when the, the rivalry was probably at its peak. Oregon was five and four during that time, but there were kind of like this back and forth uh, aspect to it. And then not only that, the coaches were going at it, each other in the media, right? Lambright was lobbying for the Huskies who had tied USC for, to win the conference in 95. And he was lobbying openly in the media to, for the Huskies to get chosen for the Cotton Bowl. Bilotti was kind of taking shots at us in the media. Um, and then the Ducks ultimately got that Cotton Bowl berth. Huskies, um, you know, were, were really licking their wounds on that one. Um, you had New Heisel kind of blowing it up with, you know, recruiting violations and the Northwest championship and all that stuff. And then this week, guys, after a kind of a dormant period in the rivalry, we finally have a coach who's willing to go out there and insult the other team and give them some bullet board material for the entire game week. When Jimmy Lake goes out and says, Oregon's not our recruiting rivals. Our recruiting rivals are academic institutions of academic prowess like Notre <laughs> was Dame. It, I think it was it academically prowess. I mean, it was a bungled, <laughs> It was a bungled statement. It was bungled grammar. It was poor judgment. It was dumb to say. It wasn't even true. And all he needs to do is look at his recruiting list from this year when the Ducks have flipped two commits from Washington. You got JT. You got there's another signee out of uh, or uh, another commit that's out of Puyallup. Um, and 
I mean, <laughs> I, what it, is it just, is it antithetical? Jimmy Lake just cannot admit that there's something wrong. Like his house could be on fire and it's like, I can't say that something's wrong. Like I just, I just don't understand it. I turn on these press conferences. I look at Twitter. It's just like, he's just trying to spin everything when it's plain as day. It's clear to everybody who follows this stuff that that is not true. Right. Um, and then Oregon's, of course, university president comes out today and says, oh, we have the utmost respect for Washington, their program, and their former coach <laughs> <laughs> taking a shot at Lake. So, I mean, you know, I, I mean, it, I don't know. I, I'm kind of ticked off about this one. But the, but the rivalry, guys, is still alive and well, if that is any indication. And the fans on Twitter, uh, all you need to do is tune in for a few minutes. Um, do, I, I like, do I have to? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Just make it go. It, you know, the, the, I, I can't tell with Lake was he, and I, cause I, I listened to it, um, and w- before it kind of blew up and I was like, ah, that sounds really dumb and not thinking, oh, this is going to blow up like crazy. And I couldn't tell, like, is he, was he off the cuff kind of trying to take a jab and it just fell super flat, you know, where versus like the Oregon president's thing. I I'm sure his PR department that was carefully four, crafted, carefully crafted, had four versions of it. They did a quick test and they put out the one that landed the best, right? Whereas Lake's kind of off the cuff trying to take a jab at Oregon, which is a dumpster fire of an academic institution, like from a rankings perspective, but whatever, <laughs> like that, you know, you don't, it doesn't like, is that his place to even say that? Like, who cares? Uh, and not if, if you're not going to use correct grammar. BT. Not if you're not if you're not going to use correct grammar, and not if you're going to use it in a context which isn't even true. That like we, a we don't recruit from them, and b like we've won from Notre Dame for sure. Like we've won. A, there's a list of people, but I don't know. They've what won our, some from us too. They've won some from us, but like our record against Stanford, and I hate to say this, but like, it, you know. Th- I, you can put us up. This is just m- me being an academic, but like you can you can put us up with Notre Dame and USC and uh, all day. Um, we're not at the same level as Stanford, you know. Uh, and so he's he's kind of making a bunch of points that are just going to ultimately fall flat. But it was just well, one of those. And he's <laughs> talking about it because he doesn't want to talk about football. I mean, that's no, how exactly. it comes across. No. That- that's I don't want to talk about going. the fact that I'm seven and five, <laughs> so I'm just going to rip on whatever I've got—the low-hanging fruit on the other side of the field. This is right. Seven and five, like that would be great right now. Um, career, career, <laughs> career, his career. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, w- I would take finishing the year seven and five. Holy crap! Um, uh, yeah, I, he doesn't want to talk about his quarterback. He can't throw more than twenty yards down the field. And you know, actually, the other, the flip side to this is. This is why I love the rivalries. This is why it's fun. Stupid stuff like this just kind of gets everybody fired up and just cracks me up. And you guys are totally spot on. He doesn't want to talk his, about his own team. He's probably tired of it. So he shot off some statement, probably. And he got a reaction. I'm cracking up. I love it. It's rivalry week. It's just, this is just good stuff. Yeah, I think, well, I think Mitch, right there, like, there's nothing really inherently wrong with him, with a coach stirring the pot. And there's been some funny stuff in the past. <laughs> Uh, it was just one of those ones like, God, you kind of want your guy to do something that doesn't fall this flat if you have if you have a choice. But uh, <laughs> oh, my God, it's it's so I, just, like, I, I think it's I think it's spin. It's the spin machine. Like, I'm, you know, just Lake trying to spin everything. And it, it's just it's dumb. There, there's a team on the other side of the field on Saturday that's out recruited you like dramatically over the last two seasons. 
And, you know, you just kind of insult their recruiting operation. It just uh, just looks like you're out of touch to me. Right, because your, your own fan base is the one going like, hey, wait a second. Rolling I'm the not, eyes. I'm not super satisfied with the way recruiting is. It's it's nuts, man. Um, it, this, ha- this one has been a fun rivalry over the years. I mean, I think you're, you're kind of right that I'd like to see it ha- not be so streaky. You know, if it looked a little bit more like the, you know, be it the, um, you know, like Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State, which is almost every other year. You know, things like that, I think, are a little bit cooler. This has been been real streaky. But there has been some, I'd say, most painful, if I could say this. I mean, the the best one was, of course, like our Pac-12 championship year, 70-21. That maybe was the most enjoyable. I mean, that was just incredible. Um, because of how much it mattered for, our, for us that year and for how much the Husky Nation needed that. Most painful, for sure, for me was 2000. Only loss yeah. of the year, 16-23 in Autzen. We already beat number four Miami that year. Um, we beat the greatest Oregon State team that they have ever fielded. That it it year. cost us a national championship. A it chance. cost us a national championship. A, a chance at one. A chance at one. Mm-hmm. And and our and we took out Oregon State, who arguably could have been playing for one as well. And that same year, um, you know, incredibly frustrating uh, to have like that. Like so, there's been some. Well, and some the Ducks were also eleven and one that year. They were eleven. And it finished. Yeah. Fi- uh, yeah. They, uh, they finished with two losses. Yeah. So they, yeah, they finished with two. They lost their bowl game, but yeah, I mean, you're 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 totally right. I mean, just frustrating. But hey, you know what? This is the year. So it come it comes down to Saturday. We got the primetime game, uh, it, which is exciting. Surprise, surprise. We're gonna guess the lines later on, but this one everybody knows uh, opened at six and a half. Now it's down to seven. A lot of like, hey, take my free money, Oregon all day, more than seven, but. These games have been close the last two years, as Law Dog pointed out. They've been real tight games. Let's talk a little bit about that Oregon defense. What do we expect to see, Mitch? Well, let's look back over the last three or four games here. So uh, they beat uh, Colorado handily 52-29. to 29. Um, Colorado kind of scored some garbage points, you know, kind of in the second half there. They give up, they allow 31 points to UCLA in the previous game. So they beat UCLA 34-31. They beat Cal in a fairly close game as well, 24-17. to And then um, the game before that, they lose to Stanford in overtime, 31-24. to So this defense has allowed some points, right? Obviously, up front, you're going to hear a ton about Thibodeau. They'll keep going on and on about him. They've got a good, fairly good defensive line. Um I'll be fascinated to see if Jackson Kirkland's coming back for this game or not. I'm not really quite sure what's up with the injury report on that. Do you guys know? What's the latest there? Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. We, both both, like teams, both teams throwing guys on the depth chart that are not playing this week. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that'll Ryan be interesting. Bowman, uh, who else was, there was a bunch of guys on there. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, Bowman out for the season. But um, it'll be interesting to see if, if Kirkland is back in the lineup or not, obviously. Um, and that'll be a fascinating matchup, I think, at times. Um, you know, you got to talk about um, Sewell, um, out of one of their star all-pack 12 linebackers. He's fantastic. He flies around the ball. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I think this team has given up some... some um, 
deep balls at times. Unfortunately, that's not our strength um, as a, as an offense. So, you know, I, I think it's going to go back to BTE, what you were saying earlier. Does the offense get a little creative with some of their play calling um, with the running game? And you see some different looks to kind of stretch that defense, maybe, you know, ideally be running to the opposite side of, of Thibodeau. Um, and, you know, I think they, they try and play off a of Sewell as well. So you could score on them. Um, but the question is, 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 is our offense strong enough to do so? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. Ladog. What do you think about, so what about that UW offense? How do we expect it to line up? Cause, um, they bring some firepower on the defense. Yeah. I mean, the Huskies kind of finally got the running game going uh, a little bit last week, but we, you know, we talked about going into the game. Like, of course, this was the only rushing defense in the PAC 12 worse than our own. Uh, so you know, it wasn't totally unexpected, but I mean, to Mitch's point and to your both your guys' points, the offensive line I thought looked the best that they have. I mean, they were scheming better, like pulling the guards, like you're talking about BT, and just creating those running lanes. Um, and also, they just kind of mixed up the play calling a lot more. So I think on the running side of the ball, that's going to be, um, you know, obviously I hope the Huskies don't. Um, just try to run the ball down Oregon's throat. That's kind of the strength of their defense, to be honest. Um, and they're a little bit more banged up, at least in the secondary. And uh, and and their secondary has been a little bit leaky this year. So I, I think if if I if I had to uh, guess, I would guess that Lake is going to try to stick with the run that he thinks is now successful uh, going into this week. But I'd like to see them try to throw the ball in the ducks a little bit because um, that's really the, the weak point of the, the Oregon uh, defense. And also, you know, you got receivers, McMillan, Rome, you know, those guys can play with anyone in the country. And, uh, and you know, I think it's it's really time to see what they can do. And if, if Morris is having trouble, I mean, I, I've got a quick hook. I don't, I don't care if it's Oregon across the, the field from me on Saturday. Like, I got a quick hook. I want to see, uh, I want to see a quarterback get more than one or two throws to see if he can get into a rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I'm ready to see on Saturday. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and look, this isn't going to be Stanford. They're going to have to put up some points. Yep. 20's not going to get it done. I don't even know if 28 gets it done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're really going to need some firepower. Oregon's the top scoring offense in uh, the conference, 36 points a game. And the Huskies have the top rated scoring defense, just under 19 points a game. So, you know, that's classic. Something's got to give here. I think in Husky Stadium, I like their chances. The crowd, you know, it might not be uh, an all-time crowd on Saturday, but they're going to want to beat this Oregon team. They're going to they're going to want to win this game. They're, if they're if they're in Husky Stadium on Saturday, they're going to be there uh, in spirit and physically. They'll they'll be supporting. So, I think this defense could have a nice day. I really do think it comes down to Dylan Morris. Yeah, and and and, and you know. We'll talk about this when we get into the defense and Oregon offense, but uh, weather, 47, 40, 46 degrees, uh, and, and there's going to be some particip- or precipitation. So uglying it up. And in a game like this, I think you kind of want it ugly as well. Uh, you know, so you know, maybe, maybe that's, that, that's going to help the dogs as well. This Husky defense is going to have its hands full. Um, you know, look at all of – is this the look that we think is, you know, Bookie and Dom at safety, Kyler at the nickel, Michelle Powell? Um you know, on the court, that's like, not on the depth chart they released. I know it's crazy. It's like <laughs> the depth chart. The depth chart says Alex Cook and Cam Williams. They're yeah. back, right? I mean, it, should, it still has Ryan Bowman on the depth chart, right? Exactly. Um, 
so I, you know, I don't know. I mean, the front look Tuli and Taki get a little help from Voitenufi would be great. Um, I'd love to see Fatuitele get back in and get some push. Um, the outside guys, how about like ZTF? Like a ZTF is back game. Yeah, like just just him absolutely dominant. That's they've been they've been babying him along for this moment. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. They've been easing him in. Is this the time? Um, you know, look, I, I think we're really going to need need to see that um, Cooper McDonald as well. But is this the big Sermon and Bruner show? I mean, I think, my God, in a game like this, you would have loved to have had Eddie LaFosio and Carson Bruner together yep. out there. But look, we got to go with Sermon and Bruner. Bruner, you know, the one thing I'd li- I, I want to say about, um, you know, about his play, and maybe it's Michelle Paul, is they've looked incredible against Arizona and Stanford. And now let's see. I mean, this week they're gonna they're gonna have their hands full coming back home. And this is is this a game where they can show just like they did the last couple weeks? Can Dom take even another step? Could he take another step forward? I mean, shoot, Dom was on the well, he was on the transfer portal watch list like four weeks ago, and he played sixty snaps at Stanford. So is this the game where he takes a big third? And same same could be said for uh, Michel Powell. Is he that next great DB? And could this be the week that he shows it? The Oregon offense, man, look, they look scary. Uh, 568 total yards against Colorado. Um, you start with the flare. It, like Antonio Brown, he completes 65% of his passes, 10 TDs, and just three picks. Wouldn't that be nice? Three picks? That's a nice number. Um, but look, I'll say this about him. He, look, this guy's no Justin Herbert. He's no Marcus Mariota. He, he's no Vernon Adams. Not I'll, even close. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. face this guy against all of them. And he got benched for a little bit by Ty Thompson when they were struggling. So, um, you know, I'll, and I'll say the same thing about like Micah Pittman, Johnny Johnson the third, Troy Franklin. One of the guys we didn't recruit, right? Just checking Troy Franklin. We didn't recruit him. <laughs> I mean, he, he's he's a scary six two, um, and they look, you know, they just they, they don't throw a lot of picks. Um, statistically, we're it's interesting. Like we're kind of near e- even on uh, the passing game. Two hundred thirty yards each we're throwing, and a dozen TDs passing. Right, the run game is where they're just, you know, third in the Pac twelve, two hundred run yards. Only Oregon schools have achieved that two hundred yards. It's crazy. It's them and Oregon State. Um, I'll say this, Travis Dye, he's got to be the best number two RB uh, in the conference, but he's a backup. I mean, we, we I wait to say we dodged a bullet not playing C, uh, going against C.J. Verdell. But Byron Cardwell, the true freshman, I mean, he could get a lot of touches as well and look really good last week. Um, I really worry about the elusive nature of Travis Dye and him slipping into the backfield, our ability to get push against them. Yeah. Their front line, uh, more Bass, Forsyth, Walken, Jones, they're all 6'3", 300 pounds plus, and they play well together. If we're in this kind of bend, don't break, I really get concerned about it. But, um, you know, all up, this is the time where Death Row D can build on the last two weeks in a home environment. We need you. We need you guys to keep them. I mean, at least under 28 if we think we're going to win. It's going to have, they're really going to have to keep these guys down. And it's going to be a tough assignment. Yeah, BT, we haven't scored uh, 28 points against a Power 5 opponent this season. Yeah, we have we, we we have not. And I don't know. I mean, does it come this week? I don't know. I mean, that's why I think, you, you know, can you ugly? I guess Cal. We, we, did, we did against Cal. I'm looking at the results. Cal in overtime. We scored 31, 24 against Oregon State the next week. But those are the two high points of the season right. offensively. So this is asking a lot of your defense. That you know to do something that uh, no other team has really been able to achieve, you know, against them so far. So um, it, they're going to have their hands full. But they're, look, there's a reason the line's a touchdown, 
and it's been it's been close the last couple of weeks. Um, any final thoughts on Oregon, guys? It's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, like uh, I, you know, I just hope these young guys continue to progress, like we were talking about, and you know, um, maybe there's some momentum. This is a, you know, they're they're picking up some steam here. And, you know, I'm trying to give all these coaches the the benefit of the doubt of on this current staff. But, man, wouldn't it be a big buoy to their season if they could take care of business on Saturday? You know, I just look around the country and I see all these different um, streaks and things like that that are going on for a long time. I mean, we've got one on the Cougs. We had one on Cal for a long time. Oregon has just been beating us up for two decades. And... You know, just the law of averages, you're going to get one that you shouldn't get one of these days, right? And I thought maybe that would be 2015 when we were kind of driving down the field at the end um, with a what ended up being a, you know, a 7 and 16. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just think one of these times, can't you just, don't, doesn't the ball just kind of bounce your way? One of these games, doesn't it just, don't you just get a couple of breaks that make the difference? I mean, you know, 2018, I was at Autzen Stadium, guys, and, you know, Peyton Henry, um, you know, had three kicks with all the timeouts that Cristobal was calling and and misses the the decisive one that he doesn't call the timeout on. And, and, you know, you lose that game in overtime that that you would have avoided by making that kick. So, I mean, you just... Yeah. One of these days, can't you just get a fucking goddamn break <laughs> and win one of these? You're at home. Your defense is playing lights out. You're pretty darn healthy. I mean, yeah, I know that we've lost Alex Cook and um, Lafoscio, but you just had a huge replacement in Bruner emerge in that spot. And um, I just – Hampton played so well. I think this defense, you know, can carry you on Saturday. Just get it together offensively for one – God damn 60 minute period of football and let's just beat these guys. I mean, then all the talk and all the Jimmy Lake quotes in the media and all that shit, it just doesn't matter if you win the right. game. The Husky nation would, uh, would go real silent about all of the anti Lake talk with a win this week. And I, you have to think if the players are still behind Lake and believe in him and want to play for him and want to get a win for him. Well, this is the week. Yep. This is the week. This right. is the game. This, this is the game. This is the game to get it. Um, we'll be out there purple, loud, and ready to go. And hopefully and wet. with and very, wet, wet, very, very wet with our rain slickers on and hopefully keeping this thing classy and keeping our tempers down. Um, you know, I'd hate to see a, you know, a, a, a duck fan spout in his mouth too much and get like thrown down a couple flights of rows. Like we saw five, you know, a couple years ago. I mean, good God, I always think this thing, and this goes for fans of both, uh, for, of both programs is, you know, you go there, cheer for your team, enjoy it. Uh, don't walk through the parking lot, you know, uh, sipping Jack Daniels and throwing birds up or it's going to get ugly. Um, let's, let's try to keep it classy and just cheer for our team, but it's going to be a good time this week. Uh, fellas, there's no promises, BT, no promises, no promises. Hey, you know, if, if there's a tree out there, a deciduous fur, uh, that was USC. That was USC. The tut doc's going to take you down. Watch out. (laughs) Um, so we already talked about this one and this is going to be a nice little competition here between our, our two co-hosts. We already talked about this Oregon opened up at a six and a half settled at seven UCLA and Wazoo this week, taking their little nice baby cat naps. Hey, nice win by the Cougs, huh? Holy yeah. Smokes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I, I, I love what that does for Rolovich. Just like, screw you, buddy. 
Go screw it. <laughs> Take a hike off of the sunset. They're better without you. This is um, the first time in seven or eight years that I've been nervous about the Apple Cup. Yeah. Oh, for, oh, you should, for sure. Everyone should be. Absolutely, everyone. Should. If you watch that game, you should be. UCLA with the bye this week, and boy, the uh, the chi- the the firing Chip Kelly uh, fervor is taking a new level with them on bye this week after that last week. Um, let's talk about this. So four games. Guess the lines. Friday night. We don't have to wait till Saturday to have a cocktail. Huh? Friday night, five three Utah at three and five Stanford on Fox Sports One. Who's it going to be, and how much buy? This first one, I'm going to make uh, Law Dog take his pick. What do you say? Give me the line. This is that. This is at the farm. This is at the farm. I'm going to say Utah by six. By six. Okay. Mitch, how say you, buddy? Oh, boy. Okay. So all Utah by six. Um, God, I like that. I like right there, but I'll go, I'll go higher. I'll say Utah by seven. Okay. A little bit higher. First one goes to Mitch. Utah by seven and a half. Oh. Boy, everybody loves Utah right now. Everybody loves Utah. The next one, to, um, Law Dog, I'm going to make you go first again. Three and five Cal at 0 and 8 Arizona. Okay. So how many is Cal favored by in this one, Law Dog? I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go back to six. Back to six. Okay. Mitch, above or, I mean, higher or lower than that? What do you think? I'm going to go higher again. I'm going to say eight. Eight. Both of you guys pretty far off on this, but Mitch does get the win there. Cal by 12. Oh, my gosh. Really? A lot of, if, you, if, you got, if you got conviction on that, you want the home dog <laughs> to finally cover on that on Arizona. Okay, the next one, ne- next two, Mitch, you got to start this one. Um, you're going to make the okay. first picks. Five and three, reeling Oregon State after that tough loss at two <sighs> and six, Colorado, 4 p.m. You know it's the Beavers' favorite, but by how many? Yeah, I'm going to say by... Five. Colorado's bad. Colorado's bad. Beavers, <laughs> beavers by five. Law Dog House say you. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to six and a half this time. Six and a half. Okay, both pretty far off, but Law Dog does does get the win. Uh, again, you guys should put your money on this, man, on the home dog. Beavers by ten and a half. Wow. Yeah. Ten and a half. Yeah, Vegas does not like CU and they, they like Oregon State in a big bounce back game. Okay, so we're two okay. and one. Mitch has two, Law Dog has one. Saturday night, seven thirty on ESPN. It's four and four USC at five and three ASU. Mitch, you got to start. Oh, I'm going ASU. I think they're going to bounce back. They're very upset about what happened to them in the Palouse. I'm saying ASU by three, maybe. Oh, it's like um, three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was act- I was actually going to go right there. Uh, I'm going to take the, un- I'll take the under. I'll say ASU by okay. two. ASU by two. Mitch wins today's event three to one. ASU by eight. Eight. What? Eight. Yeah, so guys, if you got conviction on these, I mean, this is time to put some money down. Uh, all like of the these teams are terrible, BT. Every team you just <laughs> talked about is literally terrible. <laughs> I don't know how much trash we can talk about the Beavers this year. Well, the teams we talked about on, on our show earlier are terrible, too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> this is also true. Um, but some good games this weekend. Definitely a full slate on Saturday. At least we get some late night. We can come back and watch that USC-ASU game after ours. Um, get the Friday night opener. But, hey, big week this week. It's hate week. It's rivalry week. This is the time. Players, if you're listening and you want to step up and support Coach Lake, get that win 
You want to earn Husky Nation's love? Boy, there's one way to do it, huh? This will be get it. a W. Get a W. Can I get a go dogs? <laughs> Oof, go dogs. Go dogs. and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep.